you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NF what? The Around the NFL podcast is quicker than fast. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal here for Dan Hansis in the host chair, surrounded by a couple of heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling. Hey, Greg. Rolls off the tongue, that new name, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. If you didn't notice, Matt Money-Smith in the intro, maybe you heard me say, we are now the Around the NFL podcast. What do you guys think about that? Also the Around the NFL blog. That's true. Well, we're not really a blog. I always kind of shudder a little whenever Dan says blog on the show or whenever anyone says blog. It's not really a blog. You know what I mean? <laughs> I Is like it? I don't know. It's like change. a news page or something. <laughs> You know, around the NFL news page. Because I think of a blog as like chronological order, and you know what I mean? It's it's different. I like being part of a gigantic corporate wheel that (laughs) after you've become comfortable with a name, which is sort of like the color, you know, the paint your house would be painted in, you come home one day and bang. Yeah. It's a different color. It's a nice name, though. I'm 100% and I approve it 100%. Couldn't be happy. Do you approve, Chris? Sure. I don't care. At first, I was like, I, I don't know, because, you know, a little pull behind the curtain here. We're also launching a show on NFL Network called the Around the NFL Show or something. I don't know. Around the NFL. It used to be Around the League. What part will you be playing on this show? I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying, you are Around the NFL. I'm saying we as in the NFL oh. Media News Group. I'm not on this show. I wish I was. Well, the, the television on. version continues right. to ignore our existence. I'm no. sure they need a McLovin Michael Sarah hybrid. <laughs> uh, so they're they're changing the name, and we heard from high on above that for a little corporate synergy action around the NFL was going to be our name too. So we are in the process of changing the Twitter handle. And if you happen to have that around the NFL handle, we're coming for you legally and we're going to be changing it. It does solve one sticky issue for us. I think probably at least a fourth of our Twitter followers were Georgia-based individuals (laughs) that thought that we were dealing with just Atlanta sports, which was never anything but... ATL. That's that's an Atlanta 
native. That's why I was here. <laughs> exactly. The... Well, that's how we got you as a producer. Uh, We're happy to have you. Yeah. When I uh, made my New Year's resolutions in January, you know, pretty close to the top was more corporate synergy in my life. <laughs> U.S. especially, that stands out with you. Given the option, though, I don't really – I never really loved around the league as a name. I inherited that when I got here. It was already here. If given the choice between around the NFL and around the league from day one, I like around the NFL better. There's lots of leagues. There's only right. one NFL. Exactly. But no one call it ATN because that's around the national. That doesn't make any sense. Oh. It's just stupid. Don't say ATNFL either because that just – it looks weird at NFL. There's just, no acronym here. Just say the name. Is that so hard? That's it. We will do what we are told to do. All right. It's going to be a big show today. We've got our NFC preview. We're going to go through each and every NFC division, give you our predictions, some surprise teams making the playoffs, other you know news. We're also going to go back into the elimination chamber and eliminate teams from the team of around the NFL discussion. I don't know. That, that, that part doesn't sound as good. Team of ATL sounded better. Don't mm. you think? You just call it our team. Yeah, whatever. Is our it too late to turn back now? <laughs> whatever our team is, we're going to eliminate some teams in the NFC. We're also going to talk to uh, Giants linebacker John Beeson at the end of the show. So he's going to give his, his preview of the NFC, some topics of the Giants and the Panthers, all sorts of good stuff. But for, first, let's get to a little news. We've already heard from him. TD, what's going on? Guys, doing good. I'm trying to get used to it. We're in a new studio, and I'm trying to get used to it around the NFL myself, working Ooh. on the graphics package, because we're wow. going to be filming some of this podcast on video as well. So That's you know, we're, pretty we're fancy. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could show the people, but it's not approved yet. I'll take so. a picture of it and tweet it. it it's awesome. We have a great-looking graphic in the studio on a monstrous TV right behind my head, and we've got a nice new graphic. Yeah. A lot of uh, listeners noticed it's for the Iron podcast. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's really, it's really good. We mean business. All right, let's do a little news. Come on, player. What's that? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Damashek. That, that, of course, is Dave Damashek. Doesn't want us to do the news, I guess, but we're going to go forward. Josh Gordon, we finally learned Mark suspended for one year. His suspension was upheld by an independent arbitrator who probably not getting a Christmas card from the Sessler family uh, this year. You seemed a little frustrated by how long it, it, we, it took for us to find out about Gordon's suspension. I don't think I'm on an island with that opinion. No. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> do, I understand, number one, the league doesn't hand down any suspension without putting a lot of work into it. We, I think we can assume that. They're not, it's not a knee-jerk thing. But this was, if you're going to walk around calling John Idzik, Jets general manager, the Glacier, what do you call Harold Henderson, the arbitrator, who just sat on this for weeks? The guy's just out on his porch sipping iced tea. At some point, maybe I'll drop a decision on a, one of the NFL's franchises that will alter their season to the core. When I feel like it. Don't rush me. I'll pick up the phone Maybe when it was it complicated. Me. Maybe there was a lot to consider. I'm sure it was. Sounds like a guy who'd hang out with Claude Humphrey. Just out on the front porch sipping his tea and lemonade. Yeah, let the very world go leisurely. By. But well, you know what it is with these arbitrators? They're not NFL employees. They might not know who the Cleveland Browns is. I just imagine it as he has some bungalow or something in, in the Bay Area, and he has a stack of files, and he has to go through each one. And like the Josh Gordon one, it seems really important to us, but he's got a lot of other cases to arbitrate first, and he's just going through them one by one. Maybe that's what happens. Well, that would be 
reasonable <laughs> from his angle, but there were other angles here. I don't know. It's, so it's been announced. So it's a here at least. So do you think, any, were you getting hopeful that there was going to be less games? And, and do you think this offense can survive? Uh, the first question, there was, I think, some hope from a lot of people that thought if it's taking this long, there must be something complex that suggests maybe something other than a full year. But they ruled that way. I'm not entirely surprised at that either. I think that's what we initially thought would be the home run result here. He's gone. And honestly, even with him in the lineup, there were a lot of issues with this offense. Uh, But stripping him off of any team would have been a huge loss. In Cleveland, you can't find another playmaker on that offense besides Josh Gordon unless Jordan Cameron were to truly repeat what he did last season. There is a lot of reason for concern that Cleveland could be a bottom five, bottom three offense. Kyle Shanahan has produced The worst offense in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan has produced numbers, fantasy yards and whatnot, everywhere he's been. That's a true statement. Should he be given a little bit of credit? I mean, mean, a little bit of, hey, this guy has a proven track record of producing a lot of yards wherever he's been. Sure, give him credit. Also give him all those players he had in the past, too. (laughs) Some of those early (laughs) Texans teams, I guess you're right. They've got a Hall of Famer, and Arian Foster was the best running back in the NFL for a minute or two. And and there was a stat on Gordon in terms of how many yards he's had in the first two seasons compared to everyone else in NFL history, and, and he's right there at the top. Yeah. So it's it's a devastating loss for the Browns. The timing was unfortunate. Um, I don't know. Dude, we were going to do the Browns potentially as team of Well, I think that's, that's been it's off the shelf. Happened. Really? That's, I no possible way. That's they been are off the shelf. They are currently the most boring team in the NFL to me. They, I'm uh, sorry, Mark. By the way, no, I take no offense. The I mean. only two receivers with more yards than Gordon in his first in first two years since the AFL NFL merger: Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. I think the Titans. That's are, a good list. Titans might be a little more boring. If Titan. you, I would rather watch like three Titans games than one Browns game. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Let's move on to the other big news of the week: Logan Mankins. Traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know it's a big trade. And and in exchange, the Patriots got back a fourth-round pick. And they got back Tim Wright, uh, who was a guy who was supposedly on the roster bubble in Tampa. We'll talk about him in a second. You know it's a big trade when I heard three or four different just exclamations throughout our newsroom every 30 seconds or minute when they learned of this dude just goes, Whoa! Like, hey, wow. You know what I mean? Did you hear those little eruptions all I over the I think I was one of the ones you erupting. Were. You were. Well, well I, I mean, I did hear someone on Twitter correctly point out that it is one of the lamest reasons that Twitter ever blew up. <laughs> but it For did. a six-time Pro Bowler? Yeah, exactly. It did, though. It, you know, Des Bryant, there was breaking news on him yesterday. There was this Seahawks fine $300,000. There's this Josh Gordon news. You know what's going to be the most read story out of all of those on uh, NFL.com? Logan Mankins, by far. No, it would probably be some, like, some goofy helmet some kid wore <laughs> or some player wore, and then everybody I'll will click on it. I'll go on that one. Or some out-of-nowhere fine for something. People eat that stuff up. People love trades. Pe- I mean, we know that. People love trades. One of the most you popular... You put a picture of a helmet with a bunch of stuff going on, <laughs> it will it get clicks all over one the One of the most page. popular stories today, seriously, is Broncos trade for Giants kicker Brandon McManus. People love their trades. They do. Do we give the Patriots too much credit that we just see them trade away a six-time Pro Bowler who played well last year, and we just say, oh, well, it's the Patriots. I guess it must be okay. 
Is that too much credit? I don't. I don't know. It's too much. I'm asking. They they win every year. I mean, when, <laughs> you gotta you have to give them credit. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. Uh, to me, you immediately think of Lawyer Malloy. Cut about this time, 1999, 2000, a long time ago. Uh, 2002. And, and that was the first sign of how cold and calculating the Patriots are on personnel matters. You think of Richard Seymour getting rid of him as his salary started to outpace what they expected him to do on the field, getting rid of Randy Moss when it shocked everyone because he wanted more money and they didn't think he was that player anymore. So there is plenty of precedent here. Well, and the precedent goes back 22 years when Belichick, who's always been, you know, cold-hearted is not a a bad term if you're a talent evaluator. He cut Bernie Kosar when everyone, that town absolutely melted, saying this guy won't do anything else at the NFL level, and he didn't. And he's built up so much goodwill in Boston, but not enough that the sports radio still doesn't get upset about stuff like this. They still get upset, which seems silly to me. We found out from Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, of course, that Logan Mangans was asked to take a pay cut uh, before they trade him. He was not interested in doing that. They clearly just did not see him as an elite talent. I think Marcus Cannon, who was on the bench for them, is a factor in this, that they think he can be a really good starter. Maybe it's not going to be a huge drop-off. And I don't think they plan to have Mankins on the roster next year at that salary. So they thought instead of cutting him after the season, let's get an interesting tight end in a, in a mid-round draft pick for him. Unless you're a former offensive lineman or a former coach, if you hear anyone analyzing this trade, and saying the Patriots were wrong. I mean, just <laughs> ignore him. How could you possibly know how good Logan Menkins is right now? Well, I know that he used to be, he just used to be the rare guard that would do a, a lot of things you would actually notice in the running game, especially. He would just be devastating and be fun to watch. You didn't see that quite as much, and you saw him give up more sacks last year for sure. I mean, you could see him give up seven, eight, nine sacks. He struggled a little bit in pass protection. He's known still as a good run blocker, and the Bucks are desperate. They, they needed some line help, better yeah. than Richie Incognito. Well, I don't think the Bucks fleeced. I mean, no one got fleeced here necessarily, but I would say that the Patriots are a successful organization pointing to the deals Wes talked about because they trade players right before they decline. He's 32. So yeah, you get some value. Bad organizations trade p- players after the decline is evident, and then they get fleeced in deals. How about the gamesmanship by the Bucks on this one? What? Bring in Richie Incognito oh. just to get the Patriots to pull the trigger on the trade. I like that. I don't know if that's what happened. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Ian said that the Bucks initially called looking for one of the backup guards on New England, looking for some depth, and the Patriots were kind of like, well, how about that Tim Wright guy in the, in the Bucks? Well, how about Logan Mankins? And then it gets going. Mm, I like that's how trade should happen. Yeah, that's that's how the sausage gets made. Do we think Tim Wright's a, much of a factor here? I think he can be. He'll obviously have to learn the offense. He has very intriguing wide receiver skills for a tight end. He's not. This has nothing to do with Gronkowski and being ready for week one. Everyone keeps bringing that up. It's they really? Don't, they don't play oh, the yes. same position. No. Yeah, that doesn't matter. He it's plays, just another pair of hands, and they're thin at that it's position. It's more of an he Aaron plays, Hernandez. Yeah, right. He plays the move tight end, the Aaron Hernandez role. He's 6'4", 220. He's built like Julio Jones, not like Rob, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, he's closer in probably what they'll ask him to do to Julian Edelman, even though they're obviously completely different body types and players, but ultimately this guy's a slot receiver. Weren't they looking? No, he's not they're a gonna, slot They're going to move him around. He, he was playing wide receiver. out a lot for the, for the Bucks. Weren't, there t- weren't they talking about potentially using LaFell 
as an Aaron Hernandez type. Yes. This is a better fit, it seems. Yeah, they, and, and he and LaFell aren't that different in body type. They're, they're going to have a lot of receivers that have six for 90 one game and then go off the map for two more because between Amendola, Tompkins, now I'd throw right into that mix. Edelman's probably the only one that's going to be consistently a guy that you, you get targeted. Here's some uh, fantasy advice that we didn't throw out on our last Ooh. fantasy football extravaganza. On this offense, ignore everyone but Gronk, Edelman, Brady, and Vereen. Fantasy, fantasy, football, fantasy. You can uh. take your flyers on Kembrell Tompkins. Ridley might frustrate you a little bit. But basically, Vereen, Edelman, Gronk. TD, where, why can't we get some backup singers or something with that? You well, know, that in here, Rich, some dancers. That was Rich's apartment. You know, old, uh, old producer Kid Rich. That was, she had the backup oh, singers right. and all that stuff. Remember she would make some songs or yeah. something? That I was, was on one of those tracks. <laughs> I remember her yeah. theme song. Yeah. I, Bonkers I, sex. I'm just saying, production value, we got videos coming in here. Wouldn't it be cool? I don't want to get you excited, Greg, but <laughs> I mentioned this on the last show. I still, this is, I see New England as a sneaky playoff type <laughs> entry in the AFC. <laughs> well, I didn't want to. Kind of an upstart. I didn't want to compliment the Patriots and all their previous trades and stuff. Ooh. This will be the first Sessler that actually happens. <laughs> all right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Although of course, Aaron Rodgers injury. Yeah, that was you kind of made. That's like the only one that happened. You made your reputation on that one. All right, that's enough news because we want to get to our NFC preview. And uh, without further ado, I think let's just get into it. Let's start with the NFC East. And Chris, you've been waging an internal war over the last two weeks. Washington Redskins, Philadelphia Eagles. You had one team in front at first. Now you're leaning another way. Why all the confusion? There is still an internal struggle here. There's okay. a duality <laughs> in me. I, uh, You know, I, I've been thinking Redskins all offseason because I thought RG3 was returning to 2012 form. There's no reason why he should not. There is a reason that he's not a pocket passer yet. And his struggles in the preseason have really concerned me. And just on a visceral level, it just disturbs the hell out of me that he doesn't know how to do a baseball slide. Yeah. I can't get over that. And if you want to avoid an injury, look, I mean, honestly, (laughs) six-year-olds can do baseball slides. This is just stubbornness. So that bothers me. But I guess I'm torn because I know the Eagles have been lucky. They got lucky on injuries, third downs, turnovers last year. Those things tend to even out the next year. But at the end of the day, are you taking Chip Kelly or are you taking Jay Gruden? I'm taking Chip Kelly. I'll take the That's genius. My pick. I'll take the one who is a genius in the conversation. Here's an idea about that sliding, which also got Cam Newton injured because he doesn't know how to slide either. There are at least three, Vic Newton and Griffin, who cannot slide. Jake Locker mm-hmm. takes a lot of unnecessary hits too, although he should be able to slide because he was a baseball player. But yes. he, he's just kind of reckless. Make that an event at the Combine. The, court, like the quarterback, Ooh, I like this. quarterback I like slide, that. thirty yards and then down, or twenty yards. You know, it'd be ten this yards is your down. Best idea since yesterday's. Get rid of the offensive player of the year award. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that on Friday. We're going to do our awards show. We'll, we can talk about the most useless award in the history of sports. Uh, you're taking the Eagles, Mark. Who sure. are you taking in second place in the NFC? In that East? division, don't think that really matters. <laughs> well, you still have to put the teams in order in Bef- some so, some sort of order. Before we put the Redskins to bed. Well, we're not putting them in bed. We can keep talking. I believe that their defense is significantly better. Jason mm. Hatcher 
We've killed that signing because he's 32 years old and they gave him a lot of money up front. He looked great. All right, you're right. He put a what, how did you phrase the clown suit thing, Mark? An ornately crafted clown suit. <laughs> he put an ornate, ornately <laughs> crafted clown suit on Pro Bowl guard Marshall Yanda last week. Mm. Bull rushed him right back into Flacco. He looks good. Keenan uh, Robinson is an upgrade on on um, London Fletcher, last year's version of London Fletcher. I think they're upgraded on defense altogether. The problem is they didn't upgrade their defensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, you love Jim Hanson. Well, I think he's fine, but why – why does he keep that job year after year? They do look pretty good on paper Cronyism. in the front seven. He's friends with Gruden. That's, Cronyism. That's it. I guess so. That's it. Well, it's not a meritocracy. It's not based on, oh, you know what? You dialed up one of the most horrid, most <laughs> offensive situations ever on defense last season. So you know what? It's a good idea to keep you around. Are you guys excited for the Keenan Robinson era? Yeah. I yeah. mean, he seems like a little flashy flashy player there that I mean they could rush well, the passer look London Fletcher had a great borderline Hall of Fame career but he was a liability last season Griffin could play mediocre and have okay numbers that's the thing I I think there's so many weapons there that he could be somewhat disappointed disappointing but it will be masked by Pierre Garcon taking it a 10-yard dump off pass 70 yards and Deshaun Jackson doing the same thing and Jordan Reed messing up your mind <laughs> I don't know. Have you come up with who your second place team was? Bart? Yeah, well, no, I'd, I'd come up with it uh, last week, and it's it's Washington just based on, I thought, of, of any team in the division, they went out and added the most on offense. And yet the preseason concerns me for the same reason it concerns Wes. But I look at the Giants, and I see a very bland team, and then Dallas is a downright disaster on one half of the football. Hmm. So Washington... Second place, but again, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. They, these three teams will be completely adrift. The NFC East is as down as it's been in a while, and it, it's kind of been stuck there for a few years. Is there a chance, though, that they, I feel like you know, that we might be underrating the Eagles, that they have a chance to go 12-4, and 13-3? and 3. They, get the, point. they get to play the AFC South. That's nice. Everyone looks at their schedule. They see 49ers and Seahawks because they got to play that, that division uh, out of division, and so it looks hard. And yeah, that's hard, but maybe you can beat San Francisco in Philadelphia. Why not? You get the AFC South out of division, and you get six games against the rest of this lousy group. Couldn't they go five and one, six and zero oh against uh, some of these NFC East teams? Yeah, it's possible. I don't think we're underrating them, though. I don't think they're as good of a team as last as they were in the second half of last year. And I think they'll miss Deshaun Jackson. They they ranked fairly low in our power pool for a team that we all had. Uh, winning the division other than Chris Wesley, at least a week ago, that's what he had. They are 10th, which is below teams like the Cardinals and the Chargers. Uh, you guys had the Redskins second. I had the Redskins last. I actually had... Uh, but you hate the Redskins. That's been verified. Oh, I'm not a... I don't think they're going to be good. As a rule, defense. As a rule you, don't, you don't like the Redskins. Well, they had this whole long era... Uh, Jim Zorn, a little before that, where they were always on national TV all the time, even though they were the most boring team ever. And I, I think I've held that against them. That's how I feel about the Giants. That's <laughs> how I feel about the Cowboys. So it's how we feel about most of the NFCs. What about the Giants, though? They still have a, a coach that's won a couple Super Bowls. They have a defense that you could argue was one of the best seven or eight defenses in the league last <laughs> year without Jason Pierre-Paul being healthy. They added some talent in the secondary. Couldn't the Giants 
be a little frisky. I love this argument that the Giants were one of the six or seven or eight best defenses they were. in the league last year. They were. At when the they end. gave up 35 points a game over the first six weeks of the season. They stunk at the beginning and of the season. And those six, of the, those six games still count. Half of those Eli Manning picks, uh, you know, they had to deal with a lot of interceptions, a lot of bad luck. They were pretty good down the stretch. I would have no issue with New York going like eight and eight. Mm-hmm. That's what you know. That's who they are this year. I think they're they're a nice five hundred team. A more interesting question. Wow, Eli, that was a you just put our host right under the well, bus. Well, I know. There. Please ask some questions. Help e- me out, Eli Manning. He's going to enter a contract year in two thousand fifteen. If he has another year this year, like he did last year, he's gone. So is he's Coughlin. gone. They're all gone. Hmm. I think so. The old loyalty base to Manning will be shred away. You said this year like last year. So that's leading Leading the league in interceptions by a lot, by 27-28. And if they stuck with him again after that, that's their fault. That's like following someone on Twitter that annoys you. He's an icon. Everyone tells me he's got to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he won two Super Bowl MVP trophies that were stolen from Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan. <laughs> You've been, you just always hold that up. This I, is weird. There's a lot of anger from this group around this division. Yeah. Ben well, Ma- you know what? They've got it coming. Well, we're going to ask John Beeson a little bit about it later, but I mean, there's anger even within their own team. Ben McAdoo, the new offensive coordinator, he's watching this lousy offense in, in New York and he's getting PO'd at practice. That's I a- don't blame him. A, you've got a number one uh, pick at wide receiver that simply refuses to get on the field. You've got a quarterback. <laughs> That is, as they say, a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, according to some, who seems perplexed. And in on preseason games, they've looked completely stillborn. What how, about we, how about we get it together? The season is like 10 days away. Uh, the team we disagreed on the most, actually, me versus the two of you, are the Dallas Cowboys. I had them very close to the middle of my power poll. Uh, I actually had them second in the division. I had the Giants third and the Redskins fourth. And you both, I believe, had the Cowboys as one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think I had them about 25th. I had 26th, yeah. Definitely the lowest team with an actual quarterback. <laughs> right, which is why I picked them in the middle of the pack. Any team with a quarterback, you know, and, and Des Bryant and Tyron Smith, I don't know. You could win seven games in this division. I'd like their chances against teams like Washington and New York. I just don't buy the argument that the defense can't be any worse because they finished thirty second. Defenses get worse. They defenses break new records every year because that's the era we're in. And they could definitely be worse. They have less talent than they did last year. Yeah, if offenses are going to continue to break records, the ineptitude of defenses will have to do the same. That's just how it works. But I had them at thirtieth, which might be unfair because you are right, Greg. If Romo Bryant and DeMarco Murray are healthy. They, yeah. they, well, it's it's an if, but it's but Murray and Romo don't have the best track records the last couple of years for staying out of the trainers. No, they room. don't. No, they don't. But I mean, they're they don't. I think you have to be completely inept on offense and be in a division that's housing you, and they're in a bad division where they're going to sneak some wins. So I might have been wrong on thirtieth, but I I wouldn't have a I have no issue saying that they'll be a bottom seven or eight team. All right, we've gone through the NFC East. We got to go right now into the around the league. Oh, around the NFL. It's going to take us a while to get used to this. Elimination Chamber. Mm. Uh, that's, what, that's what we do when you get eliminated. And for new listeners, we 
are trying to pick a team that we can support as a podcast all together. Last year it was the Panthers. That was our team of 2013. We're slowly going through the teams and, and trying to pick who's going to be our team of 2014. We hope to have a team before week one, but it has to be unanimous, and I have a feeling it's not going to happen before week one. But let's at least throw some teams out. All right, NFC East. The whole division, they're gone. They're just gone. The whole division? Is there any case it sounds for, like any case the for Redskins the Eagles? make you angry. The Giants make me angry. The Cowboys make Mark angry. And I don't want the Eagles as a team of ATL. I would not vote against the Eagles. I'd vote for them, but I don't know how if this needs if all three of us needs to need to clear them through. The Eagles are out. Well, there is a factor here. There is a man that's not in the room right now, and I can just hear Dan Hansis laughing hysterically at the idea that he would somehow allow a Chip Kelly led team to be the team of the Around the NFL podcast. Then let's save ourselves a couple weeks from now when we debate this and eliminate the entire division. So no, lo- no love for the Redskins? They're out. They're out. No, their quarterback's terrible. <laughs> ah, I feel plus they I feel have, lighter. Well, first of all, you're gone. The Redskins employ Joe Theismann, so that's all I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on before uh, a shadowy league figure walks in here, uh, let's talk a little bit about the NFC North. And I'm first. I'm going to go through our power poll rankings of them. The Green Bay Packers, number one in the NFC North, number two overall, and uh, will be featured prominently in my predictions throughout. So we, we really like the Packers to win the division. We have the Bears uh, in second, the Lions after that, and the Vikings fourth, but overall not ranked too low, 23rd overall, which is pretty good for a last-place team. Do you think there's any chance – any of these three teams actually make a run and challenge the Packers? I have a, you know, we did these predictions a bit ago and I know Greg and I both are warming up to the concept of the Vikings mm-hmm. being a sneaky team. Uh, Ray, we, all four of the, this is the opposite of the NFC East. All four of these teams can make the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, any, any combination of the four can make the playoffs and I would be fine with that. Hmm. Vikings would be a fun playoff team. Good story. Ever since Aaron Rodgers did his uh, William Tecumseh Sherman impression and blazed through Georgia in 2010 on the way to the Super Bowl, <laughs> he's won 75% of his games. That means the Packers are going 12-4 and four even if the defense is okay. I think the defense is much better. I think the Packers are the class of this division and no one else comes close. The best group of weapons Aaron Rodgers have, has ever had, I think. Maybe you could make an argument – his second year? I don't, I don't think it is. I keep hearing that. and Here, Here's why. Because weapons aren't just wide receivers. The right. wide receivers are great, but you have three different running backs, which right now look pretty good. It's a good running game. And I think the offensive line, if you want to count that as a weapon, I think it's it's not perfect, but it's probably in better shape right now than it's been since Rodgers took over. If they still had Jamichael Finley, I would agree with you. But I, I just I don't think the the receiving weapons are as good. Boykin is unproven. I have no reason to believe he's he, he looks good though when he plays. I have no reason to believe he's as good as James Jones. He hasn't really stood out in the preseason yet. I don't think Devontae Adams is ready to contribute. That's a problem. So I I don't think they're as good as they were in 2010 2011. But they got the running when, game. That's a big fact. Eddie Lacy's a monster. It is a weapon. huge factor. Well, I wrote a piece today on Packers coaches saying they believe Lacey could lead the NFL in rushing this year, and I don't think that's a stretch at all. Well, that suggests also that 
they're willing to take some of the heat off of Rodgers having to do everything. Rodgers is one of the handful of quarterbacks that if you have a, a receiver that might not flourish on another team, they will in Green Bay's system. And you talked about the continuity that the Saints have over the years with all the same players. I mean, you have Rodgers and McCarthy and enough offensive DNA that's been around with them together that they can just do things in a more advanced way than other teams. I love them this year. I think they're winning the Super Bowl. They're my pick. I guess that we blew it. We got to do our Super Bowl picks another show, but that's basically it. <laughs> uh, I like a lot of these teams. I have the Bears in the playoffs. Uh, I'm, I believe I'm the only one that has the Bears in the playoffs, but Chris Wesley, you have a surprising team out of this division in the playoffs. I have the Lions as the sixth team in the NFC playoffs. I feel like there are five obvious picks, really, in the NFC. Your NFC East winner, and then Seahawks, Packers, Saints, and 49ers. So to me, it comes down to who's the best team out of the field, and I feel like the Lions have too much firepower for everyone else. I, I, I struggle to trust them. A, they play inside, which is hard on the eyes. That's fair. It's one Minnesota's the, outside now. You know, the other night... <laughs> I was forced to watch the Lions play. And then they switched the TV over to the Seattle Seahawks mm. in Seattle. And it's like suddenly human life entered the hemisphere. Were you being waterboarded at the time? Detroit Stadium, <laughs> silent, like the middle of the night in someone's house. Other than maybe you can hear some electricity and some piping. Go to Seattle and it's an explosion. I cannot root for a team that plays inside of a dome. And I'm not just kidding around. I mean it. <laughs> I know you do, and I appreciate that. I'll veto that till the end. Well, it's a problem, Mark, that we had to pay all this money to bring along another around-the-NFL writer this year just because you refused to cover games inside a dome, and that left such a big hole in our schedule. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a problem going to the Super Bowl, which was in a dome. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. I'm you, willing you to You make bend. it sound like domes are quiet. Domes are often the noisiest places. I mean, the Superdome. Super well, not in Atlanta and not in Detroit, not on television. It shows how much we don't stock need to go you, down a wormhole here, but shows how much stock you have around here that they did hire someone just to replace your <laughs> production and just. I and wasn't aware games. that was the dynamic. I don't think Detroit's going to make the playoffs for other reasons. They're going to find a way to crumble like they always do. Sometimes it just comes down to human nature. Matthew Stafford is not the guy they say. Oh, this guy's completely reborn. This and that. We'll find out. Yeah, Staff- we'll find out. I'm not buying it yet. Stafford's at the point of his career. He's kind of like getting to where Jay Cutler has now been for a year or two. He's kind of at the point you got to show that you're different to believe it anymore. That he's a, a very good starting quarterback, maybe you know slightly better than average, which is worth a lot. You know, if you line up all 32 quarterbacks, Stafford is probably he's ranked above the median point. But is he ever going to take that next step? Have you seen any reason to believe that? The median point is the AD scale. Right. Well, I kind of was thinking <laughs> the median is like 16 because that's probably where Stafford is, 14, 15, something like that. I, I don't trust this defense. Can you name their defensive coordinator right now? Terrell Austin. Terrell Austin. Never really been a coordinator <laughs> at the pro level. I don't know. Not, I'm not too excited about just because well, Vince Lombardi's the, grandson is in the league. How is the Bears get, defense any better? It's terrible. The difference is that I really trust Mark Trestman, Cutler, Marshall. I do trust Cutler. How do you trust Cutler? I trust Cutler under Trestman because Trestman made him a better quarterback last year. He helped make Josh McCown better. He's 
turning Jimmy Clausen around. He got outplayed by his backup last year. Who? Cutler? Cutler. Yeah, by a little. What I trust is <laughs> Mike Zimmer's ability to get the most out of his defense. Ooh. And I like Norv Turner at the coordinator level. We've already seen his effects on Matt Castle. They've got Cordero Patterson. They've got Kyle Rudolph. There's a lot of things they're going frisky. on. Yeah, they're yeah. frisky. And I, you know what? I like this team. They're playing outdoors in Minnesota through the thick of winter. This is a team I can get behind. I know. I like this team. I picked the Bears to the playoffs. It's been a week. I almost am you know, I would think about the Vikings. I think they're going to be frisky, but I'm sticking with my Bears pick. Uh, we've gone through the division. Now let's talk about which teams should at least survive this round of elimination for the team of the NFL podcast. Uh, I know the Packers are a good, a great team. Are they too good to consider? I mean, we, we are picking them pretty yes. far. I'll keep uh, them. Well, I, okay, that's fine. But, I mean, we're going to pick the Green I don't Bay know. Packers as the team of NFL. I think they're going to get the eliminated eventually. A big part of the team of ATL is who's fun to watch. All right, the Packers. They're in the top three for me on fun to watch. The Packers can make it through, I guess. They're never going to be the team, though. Why bother? Let's kill them. You want to kill them? I'm, I want to save them. All right, he wants to push him forward. We'll push him forward. I want to save every team in this division except for the Bears, but I know you guys like the Bears. I think we should save the Bears. I'd like to I talk would about be willing more. to veto the Bears. Let's get rid of the, the Lions, though. There's no way we're choosing the Lions as the team of, team of the NFL. I would agree with you. <laughs> right? Okay. They're never going to make it to the, the deciding end. Factor the Packers is, aren't either, probably. The deciding factor is people laugh about this. Mark's absolutely right about dome teams. Sorry. All right. Lions, <laughs> you're out. The Vikings are interesting, and uh, Twitter follower Tim Gomez told mm. me today that the Vikings become the team of around the NFL. He will help me eat my softball pants. Uh, I don't know if that's allowed. Is that allowed? We don't want to. There could be legal reasons. Yeah, I'm not sure we suddenly started bridging the rules around that mm. penalty that you've uh, well, drawn upon yourself. That's interesting. Now we, we could could try though, Chris. Okay. Um, just two weeks away, right? <laughs> what is it? Two and a half weeks now. We need to get. Will on... the season get here already? Just oh. get here. We need to get someone to contact the Food Network to make sure all this is done safely. Wait, no, it's a week from tomorrow. The season starts. God, okay, that's great. I'm glad. Doesn't you <laughs> feel better? This week's been. This has been a tough month. Let's get through August. Let's get to the, almost there. Let's Come get back. to the NFC South. Yeah, uh, we all take the Saints to win the division. You guys have the Saints number one. Really, this is the team you guys think is going to win the Super Bowl. Chris, you you made a big wrote a big poem to them the other week on the podcast. So I'm going to throw it to Mark. Why, why are you just so convinced that the Saints are the team for this year? Well, I feel like we talked about them recently, and it's for me. I think they've, you know, again, it's a team where you've got Sean Payton, Drew Brees. That team doesn't do anything but win 12 games unless there's an injury to Breeze. It's the only way they don't have a winning record. They're going to win the division. I don't see a big problem with that in the NFC mm. South. They've gone out and they've added weapons. You've got Jarris Bird on defense at safety, along Who? with Kenny Vaccaro. Jack I think people at the end of this year, will, they'll be in the Jack discussion Bruce as the best Spider. safety duo along with Seattle. And there's, there's, there's good reason for that. On offense, we love Brandon Cooks, obviously. And, you know, Wesleyan's been hot on the revival of Mark Ingram, and they've got an interesting backfield. They found a way to redo their wide receiver group and their backfield and get faster and younger. And on, I, what's not to like? 
I don't think just handing them the you can't just hand them the division. On paper, you're right, they're good, but you know they didn't win the division last year. They didn't win the division before. We that. We didn't think they were good last year. We correctly identified their weaknesses last year. They have addressed them, and they will win this division. Hmm. But they were pretty good last year. They, they ended up good. being about a top eight team. That was about where they deserved to be. And, and we realized all along they were flawed when we predicted the Panthers to beat them for the division title. Mm. They had too many weaknesses last year. They have no weaknesses this year. On a down year with Peyton and Breeze, you 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 still win 10, 11 games. Yeah. They, their defense has never been this good or had never been this promising. I know it was good last year, but to add Bird in a second year of – Rob Ryan. Now we actually know Junior Gallette and Akeem Hicks is looking better and Cameron Jordan. I mean, it should that dome should be rocking. The only thing I could think is maybe some cornerback depth. Teams could throw on them a little bit, but that's it's tough. We were talking about it coming back from lunch today. We couldn't come up with what's a good weakness for this team. Maybe offensive tackles, the tackles. Well, they love their left tackle, even though he's untested. They that Breeze said, you know, in a couple weeks ago, he's been outstanding. So we all love the Saints. Second place in this division, who you got? I've got. I think I have the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like they're way better than the Bucks or the Panthers. To me, it's it's kind of coin flip territory or paper rock scissors on all three of those teams. I just, to me, I have total confidence in their offense. I do believe their offensive line is much improved. Julio Jones and Roddy White are awesome. They're both healthy. And I don't think their defense is quite as as bad as everyone thinks. What do you see as their biggest weakness? Uh, I would say the defense, even though it's not as bad as everyone thinks, it's still mediocre. They don't have any pass rushing to speak of. They don't have anyone exciting. Who, Who are you getting excited about on their defense? That's, that's bad. That's I mean, a fair point. That's what I look for in defenses. Where where are the players that are going to win one-on-one matchups consistently and make big plays? I don't see it. And and you you better hope those young quarterbacks, Alfred and Trufant, are as good as you know some people think. Because if they're not, they could be a disaster on defense. And they, they haven't looked that good in the preseason for what it's worth. I had Carolina as my number two team. I think that we, you know, we saw what was happening back in February and March, and it felt like the roof was caving in, and here comes the wind. But they've <laughs> done a fine job, I think, with the, you know, Gettleman is so determined to get this team out of their situation cap-wise. But Kelvin Benjamin, they had to hit on this guy, and the early returns suggest that it's they true. have. And that was, an had that not worked, had they gone and got Odell Beckham, and he's gone for a month sitting around... That team is a disaster mm. house. But I, I, I think that they've got a deep backfield, and if Cam Newton is less hobbled than he looks right now, I'm all right with them. Here's the thing. They weren't that great of an offense last year, and they no, were the they number weren't. two seed in the NFC. So all they need to do really is to minimize how much worse they get and hope the defense is still this good. And on paper, we've seen the secondary flying around in the preseason, and on paper, the front seven's as good as any team in the NFL. They could have the number one defense. I don't think we'd be stunned. We're missing their big weakness here. Yes. Everybody talked about the wide receivers all offseason. The offensive line is more of a problem. Yeah. Byron Bell got worked over by Chandler Jones. He's not a good left tackle. Nate Chandler at right tackle is a converted defensive end who's unproven. The guards did – the two starting guards did not play for the Panthers last year. One's coming off an ACL. It's it's a patchwork offensive line. Well, it's four of five linemen are new from last season. And that often just, no matter what's going to take part of the year 
for them to even learn how to play together. And then by then, Carolina will figure out that at least two of them don't belong on that line. And it's exacerbated by the fact that Cam Cam Newton isn't moving well right now. And now he has a fractured rib on top of the ankle. So they're going to win games like 9-8. to (laughs) Our uh, power poll, that's uh, when we aggregate all our rankings, including Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent, actually had the Panthers as the number two team in this division, the Falcon and the number nine team in the NFC, the Falcons number 11, and the Buccaneers bringing up the rear at 13. I think all these teams are ranked a little too low in our rankings. I, I think at the end of the year, we could be talking about this as the best division in football because the Buccaneers, they could be pretty spunky. I mean, them and the Vikings are kind of the two NFC teams I like that aren't getting picked to go to the playoffs too much, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they have that sort of 10-6 and six type of year. I like that the Bucks have some difference makers. Levante David and Daryl McCoy are, you know, arguably the best at their positions. Vincent Jackson's great. Doug Martin's good. I believe in Josh McCown. I think it's a very shallow roster overall, though. Hmm. There, there's no depth on either side of the ball if a starter gets hurt. Did we maybe... Uh, get freaked by what we saw in the first preseason game or two where Josh McCown was just getting swarmed by def- – I mean, their line is an issue. We didn't just get freaked. The Bucks got freaked. They they had Richie Incognito coming in there. Well, they have bash, reason to be concerned. Just or... to snow the Patriots. <laughs> right. McCown isn't necessarily a quick-release quarterback either. So it's – you know, you, you do wonder right. – that offense has been shrouded in mystery all offseason, but we just don't know what we're going to get. I love the Lovey Smith hire, and I think – they could be a top five defense right now. So if you I think have he a, inherited that potentially too. Right, but he's yeah. a good defensive coach yeah. on top of that. So he's a good defensive coach inheriting a lot of talent. You have a top five defense, you can maybe get a little lucky with some, you know, McCown magic at the end of games or something and mm. you know, win nine games. All right. So we have the Buccaneers in last place. Uh, we love the Saints obviously. Let's go through each team and decide if they're a candidate for the team of the NFL podcast. Is that even what are we called? It sounds so strange. This needs work. The title. Yes. We'll come up with something. All right. The Saints. Do we want to consider them? You guys do have they, them as the top team in the league. They play in a dome and they are uh, a Super Bowl favorite. But I'm I'm sending them right on through to the next round. They're, they're right, that just, much fun to watch. I'll send them through. You guys had number one, and uh, yeah, I lived in New Orleans. I, I've enjoyed that. Who Super doesn't Bowl love New Orleans? Victory. Best place in America. Send them through. New Orleans. All right. Uh, the Bucks. I'd like to send the Bucks through. I could send them through. Okay. All right. And then we have the Falcons, who, despite being on hard knocks, not not really getting me excited. They play in a dome, and it might be Mark's least favorite stadium in the NFL. It is, but I don't dislike the team necessarily. I wouldn't – this is not an automatic veto for me, but they're Here, not going to win out against the other teams that we've already put through. Here's the thing. Plus, it'll be extremely confusing since you guys are still trying to figure out this whole team of ATL, ATN. Thing. <laughs> that is so, a very fun that's point. Great point. Way too much. All right, forget about that the Falcons. That just killed them. Thanks, out. TD. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about the Panthers though quickly. Uh, they were our team last year. We have to consider the fact that we might not actually pick our team – until a couple weeks into the season. So do we want to eliminate them right now just because Cam Newton's injured? I would say that an ongoing rule that the previous year's team automatically gets through this round. They get grandfathered in. All right. Uh, We're just killing the Falcons right now. Seven teams through out of the last two divisions, right? Or no, we got rid of the Lions, so six teams. So, So far, six in the NFC. That's all right. Let's move on to the final division, the NFC West. Everyone seems to think it's the best division in football. I guess I, I would agree with that, although the other two teams in the NFC, the North 
in the South are pretty good too. Did you think at all about not making the Seahawks the division winner? Not for one second. Neither for I for one second. Not even one. Yeah, me neither. Could they be a fifteen and one type of yes. team again? Yes. Yes. Why why are we so convinced there's not gonna be the Super Bowl drop off that seemingly every champion has had lately? They don't operate that way in my opinion. I, I remember teams from my youth like when the Giants won in eighty six and then just something caught up to them in the in, in it was whether it was hubris or just disorganization, the whole thing collapsed. There was a strike that year. Every year something seems to happen with the champions where they chemically change a little bit. Uh, Seattle, to me, nothing's changed. And watching their preseason and the way they operate, they are a 15-1 type operation. That they team get, is awesome. And yet you think the Saints are better. Well, there is a dilemma because we are probably suggesting that New Orleans has to go into Seattle. No, in I'm a not title suggesting game. that. I think Saints finish with a better regular season record. That's the only reason I have them in the Super Bowl because I think whichever of these two teams gets home field advantage will win. Hmm. The Seahawks, I don't think, would go 15-1. and one. As we've pointed out innumerable times on this podcast, they are an unbelievably historically great team at home, and they're not unbelievably historically great on the road. Right. They can be beaten. Right, and they're still fallible. It's a football team. It's not – we've built them up at this point. It wasn't that they long ago. They almost lost that to the Bucks at home last they year. They did lose at home late in the season to Carson Palmer, yeah, who threw four interceptions. At home, so I, things one, happen. One thing, though, I, I think what we're discounting, though, is that this isn't a team at the peak heading towards decline phase. There's a lot of young players getting better in Seattle. I think Russell Wilson's going to host an expanded offense. I think you know, he'll get better. I, I really do think that Seattle is not – we've not seen the best from them. That's, I think the Cardinals won that game because Russell Wilson was in a month-long slump, and I don't think we'll see that this year. I think you're right about the expanded offense – Bucky Brooks has written about this. They're going to open the playbook. Percy Harvin will be used creatively, more creatively than he ever was in Minnesota. Even though it's the same offensive coordinator, I believe they have bigger plans for him. I just think the offense is way better than it was last year. The defense, they lost some veteran bodies. It doesn't matter because they are so deep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're so deep, they're just going to bring in guys who are even better. They've got guys like O'Brien Schofield, a Cardinals reject, just terrorizing quarterbacks right now. We had the 49ers as a group, number four in the NFC. You two had them in the playoffs. So did Kevin Patra. I have them out of the playoffs. I think just too many things are going to go wrong for them, maybe have some drama, and they'll just get squeezed out in a very, very good division and conference. You know, they might end up with a 9-7 and seven record and just miss out. So we have the 49ers fourth in our power pole, though, as a group. Cardinals fifth. I have the Cardinals in the playoffs. Mark Sessler has the Cardinals in the playoffs. I like it. We're in step. Join me in my Cardinals fever. I just, I'm a big believer in Bruce Arians, and I, I get that the defense um, has issues, but we've seen so many players, so many teams make the playoffs with troubled defenses. Offense leads the day, and I really think that Arizona's gone out and improved. They've gotten faster. They've got one of the deeper wide receiver groups in the entire conference. Arians knows how to coach up his quarterbacks, and he knows how to call a great scheme. I, I, I think that Arizona is going to equal its win total from last season. Mm. I think that the only case you got to make for the, or I've been making for them is their offensive gains will make up for what they lost on defense. Yeah, it's an issue. To me, there's not much difference between the Cowboys and the Cardinals right now. The Cardinals have a slightly better defense. They've lost way too much talent on that defense. 
and Carson Palmer can't be trusted as much as Tony Romo. Both of them will be in shootouts, I think. But you, you are right that they've lost a lot of talent on their defense. But let's compare that defense to the team you talked about, like the Cowboys or the Falcons. We couldn't come up with a player that's a difference maker. On their defense, they have Calais Campbell, who's one of the very best at his position in the league. You have John Abraham, getting older, but at least was a factor last year. Suspended, probably. For a short time. And 36 years old, I would not All count right. on John Abraham. He's probably not They the have guy no to... pass rusher behind John Abraham. Right. They have Calais Campbell, who's good. I'm just saying. You have they pa- have Patrick Peterson you and Calais pa- Campbell. You have Patrick Peterson. You hopefully get uh, Honey Badger back Yeah, in the I'm mix. not counting on him being Honey Badger. Mm. But there is more talent they than like, with anything deep. They Dallas like their first-round pick, Buchanan. I'm just saying there is some talent. But out of all of these two teams, according to you, the Cowboys have the best defensive player in Henry Melton. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Henry Melton. You love Whether Henry Melton. I do like Henry Melton. The big problem for Arizona and the reason that my prediction could look obscene uh, three months from now is that, no. well, let's let's be humble. It could be a complete disaster. Never. The the, Car- the Cowboys play in the NFC East where they're going to just pick up wins off of other bad teams. You can't do that in the West. And on top of it, they're playing the Broncos and they're playing the rest of the AFC West, which has yeah. the Chargers. I don't if, know. If the you're 49ers... Right. It's, it's a, a, tough, tough, it's a it's tough schedule. No, you're right. If the 49ers go down the rabbit hole like Greg suggests, this is not nearly the best division in football. The Rams... I, I don't know, understand why people thought they were good in the first place. Now they have... They lost their starting quarterback... They have question marks at almost every position on offense, outside, even outside of quarterback. I would think they're in the mix as the worst team in the conference if I didn't sort of see this as such. Isn't it such a Jeff Fisher season? Like when things were totally wrong for him in Tennessee, that was when he would do his best. And they would just Are you have, sure? They would just have an 8-8 eight and eight type of year. I'm just saying he, his teams don't tend to collapse. They, te- they tend to fight through bad situations. I remember situations. Jeff Fisher's best teams being when Steve McNair and Eddie George were <laughs> unbelievable and Chris Johnson was rushing for 2,000 yards. I'm thinking some yeah. of the – I'm thinking not his best teams, but I think some of his best coaching performances were rising some of those late Titans teams in the late you know, um, 2000s with Vince Young and Kerry Collins. I mean, they had a number two seed, right, with Kerry Collins as their quarterback. That's yeah, pre- that's they, pretty amazing. That's not a coach that panics. I mean, he's 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 been here before. I think the Rams to me are a team that if they win seven games, six seven games, a couple are going to come inside the division, and right. and they're going to pick off one or two division teams. I, I don't think this is in any way not still the best division in football. There there is we we can talk about the 49ers falling off a cliff, but that hasn't happened yet. Right, I'm the only one talking about it. You guys have them in the playoffs as do most people, and I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. I do think their offensive line, it's weird how bad they struggled in the preseason. We'll see if that really carries over. The defense is the bigger problem, losing a lot of talent. Mm. I mean, Alden Smith, you can't just replace Alden Smith. We're waiting to hear his suspension. You can't just replace Navarro Bowman. Those are two of the best 20 or 10 defensive players in the league. No doubt. That's, but those guys will be back in time. See, that's they'll you know, have time to do what the offense did Bo- last year. Bowman might not be the same guy, though. That's I mean, fair. he's coming off a pretty bad, pretty bad injury. But didn't we see this last year with Von Miller and other players, where it's like, oh, you know, we here in August when someone's out for six weeks, 
our vantage point is of a freakout. There's no, how do they succeed? True. But then it's suddenly it's November. The guy's been back for four we, weeks, and you forget about it. We true. told people in last August not to worry one bit about mm. Von Miller because the Broncos were that much better than everybody in the AFC. But in general, we can't say that about the 49ers. That's fair, but in general, when when we look at these suspensions, we can overreact to them. It's a long, long season. True. That's true. They're going to get Alden Smith back. You know, their schedule early in the season uh, is pretty difficult. They open. Uh, actually, it's pretty generous. They open in Dallas, then they're home for Chicago at Arizona. You got the Eagles and the Chiefs. It's, it's well, that's manageable. Out. It's manageable. And then they're at the Rams. That's manageable to go four and two early, something like that. And then you know, who kn- we don't know when Smith will and be. And if back. people are concerned about this offense, if after three weeks we still are against those defenses, then we know there's issues. All right, well, let's go through this division and decide which teams are still alive as the team of the NFL podcast. Any way we throw the uh, defending champs into the mix? I would throw the whole division out. Throw the whole division out? What? Well, now that I think about it, the Cardinals, I would really push hard to push forward. G- I, I want to push the Cardinals forward, give, too. Give the Cardinals a chance, Wes. You love you love Bruce Arians. <laughs> you love John Brown. You love Larry Fitzgerald. You love Michael Floyd. This is a down... You love downtrodden fan bases. Don't they deserve something? All right, that's an impassioned speech, and right. I, I'm behind you on that one. All right, so we're going to keep the Cardinals and eliminate the rest of the division. You're gone. All right, also gone uh, from the show, me. I'm going to leave and let you guys talk. <laughs> he gone. Got to let you guys talk to John Beeson. I know we're running a little long, so uh, I got to get out of here, go to some high-octane uh, high meetings, corporate things, and uh, – I'll let you guys handle that. And Shane, we Mark, and I weren't invited to Well, that. we did get a note that uh, Beeson was uncomfortable speaking with Greg. Yeah. That's yeah. really what's going on here. So, <laughs> Why would that be? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys later. Have fun with John. All right. All right. We're very excited about this, Chris. Uh, I'm sitting here with Chris Wesling, and we have a chance today to interview one of the league's premier linebackers for a period of time now, John Beeson the former first-round pick of the Carolina Panthers out of Miami, now currently with the New York Giants. John, thanks so much for joining us today. How are things going? They're going great, man. Just, uh, you know, hanging out here, you know, doing this Duracell appearance with, uh, with the Giants and at MetLife Stadium. It's going well. Now, where are, so are you at MetLife Stadium at the moment? At the moment, yep. Very nice. In the flesh. You guys are getting close to uh, the regular season starting. I think one of the, you know, for us covering all 32 teams, it seems like with New York, one of the issues and one of the narratives that's bubbled up is with the new offense. Eli Manning's been in the same offense forever. You practice against this new Ben McAdoo outfit, you know, all summer long, every day. What What is your take? It seems like things to the outside have not gone incredibly smoothly. Well, I think everybody needs to kind of, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. I, you know, if you put too much stock into uh, the preseason, you'll get fooled every time. You know, you look at a team that could win every preseason game and have an awful year, and a team lose every game and then turn around and win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, you want to go out and you want to see some execution and you want to see guys, you know, you know, just go out and tackle and block, you know, the, the basic fundamentals of football. And, um, you know, I think we've done that for the most part. Um and once the season starts, you'll see a, a, 
an offense that's going to open up um, when you, when you start scheming and game planning um, against opposing defenses. Um, you know, having um, seen the offense and what they've been able to do in terms of being innovative and uh, moving guys around and getting uh, guys involved and creating uh, mismatches, it's it's been extremely impressive. Um, I think it's going to be a, a very, very difficult offense to to uh, to play against, and uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it—the actual game planning that goes into uh, you know the regular season. Right now, we're just not trying to show anything. And that's my take on it, honestly. Hey, John, the Giants' defense gave up about 35 points a game through six weeks last season, and then they traded for you and got Will Hill back from suspension. It had to be a little bit more complex than that, right? Like, what was what was it that turned that defense around last year? Well, you know, uh, when I when I showed up, I I looked around the room, and I was saying to myself, I was like, wow, there's talent at every every position. Um, you know, why not? And it, it didn't make sense, but you know, we just kind of you know took a step back, everybody collectively, and instead of you know trying to figure out why not, just look at yourself, you know. Start with yourself. What's what's the scheme? What's what's the call? Are you doing your job at a consistent level? You know, how often are you making plays? You know, within within the confinements of the scheme, and that was really the difference. Guys just bought into to you know the the call. You know, and um, you get guys on the same page. It's, it's scary because now it's a, that's where you know your true talent and ability can can be displayed. You know, it must have been a, a tad bittersweet for you to uh, leave Carolina, and that happens to be the season that, bang, you know, they, they with Cam Newton, they end up in the playoffs. They had a very nice season last year. That front seven is nasty. Looking at their games this year, we've kind of noticed that Cam Newton coming off that, that ankle surgery, obviously not as mobile in the past. Do you feel, with what you know about his game, him as a pocket passer, can he be as effective a quarterback if he isn't able to use that uh, rushing ability that he has in the past to the same extent. Well, I, I think um, you know he obviously he, he has has a talent um, to stand in the pocket and make all the throws, and I think uh, mentally he's he's come along um, extremely fast in terms of um, you know what he's done um, since his rookie year, and then you know going from one coordinator to the next, but. Um, you know, I still think a big part of his game is his ability to run and scramble, and um, that's always an outlet for him. It's a, it's a safe haven, and um, you know, it's something that I think he's going to need to to do to be um, as effective as as Cam Newton can be. But um, you know, in terms of what they did last year, man, like you said, it was it was uh, extremely bittersweet. Uh, though I was happy to be, um, you know, a giant, and in the situation that I was in, I was more pleased um, with you know. The guys and how you know what you know. We said we we're going to do this. We put the work in in the off season. Guys sacrificed um, you know tremendously, and, and to see it all kind of you know come to fruition, it was a it was a good sight to see. And you know I, I keep up when I can and talk to those guys when I can because they're still uh you know still my brothers um, from afar. Hey John, we know in the past you've been really high on Luke Keekley. Uh You were saying even like last season you knew he was going to be the defensive leader. Looking around the rest of the league, and I, you know, please do not hesitate to praise another one of your ex-teammates, Thomas Davis, here. But who else are the linebackers you see that are just difference makers in the NFL right now? Well, you know what? That's the thing, man. You know, you uh, you laid that question up for me, 
um, I really feel like you know Thomas doesn't get the, the the notoriety that he should. I mean, he's you know he's a true freak, man. I, I you know I played with alongside of him. You know, we were that you know dynamic duo uh, for a long time, and um, to see what he's been able to do after three ACLs, and you know how he is he is the the matchup killer. I mean, you know, you, you you take a guy like Jimmy Graham, you put him on one side of the field and you put, you know, Sprosley on the other and it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Well, you can bring a safety down and, and cover, you know, Jimmy Graham or or, or Sproles, but you know, you, one of the two you, you kind of got to pick your poison, but Thomas you can put on the guy and, and he has the ability to just completely neutralize the guy. He's He's, uh, you know, a weapon that doesn't get praised enough. And uh, he's he's a guy that, you know, if I were talking about, hey, who's the first outside guy I would take, you know, to stand up next to me, um, you know, he's that guy. He's that he's that special. And uh, he doesn't get enough notoriety. Real quick, what do you see from Levante David? Is he a guy that you're high on as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, extremely active. I think his football IQ is through the roof. Um, based on the uh, the type of interceptions he gets, you can tell it's based on film study and knowing route combinations. And then, uh, you know, ability-wise, uh, you can run, match up with anybody, uh, great in space, a consistent tackler. Um, you know, huge fan of his, obviously playing in NFC South for a while. And, you know, he's just burst on the scene. Um, a guy who should have made the Pro Bowl last year but didn't, but then was first-team All-Pro. So it's funny how that works out. You know, another underrated guy, but um, he is a, a truly, truly, truly special talent. Now that you've been in New York for enough time to get to know uh, the locker room, your fellow Giants teammates, if you had to spend, let's say, six months alone on a desert island with one Giant, who would it be? Who could you stand being with for that amount of time? Uh, with one Giant? Well, you know what? I've, uh, I've become um, you know, really close with Stevie Brown. And uh, though I have some some really good friends, obviously Intro we're extremely close. But Intro doesn't cook as well as Stevie. Stevie <laughs> is, is, is is a chef. This guy's gonna be you know like Emerald Live real soon when he's done playing ball. He might you know get up to about two sixty five or so. But <laughs> but he is a he's a special uh, special dude. Make him really cook, and his Instagram is uh, it'll, it'll get you hungry, man. So you guys get a chance to check out Stevie Brown's Instagram. That's very smart of you to pick someone that can uh, prepare food in that scenario. I like that. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, now, you know, I know you're, you're tied into this Duracell thing. You know, Duracell also sponsors our weekly picks column, which is going to launch here in a couple weeks, where we, uh, our little writing team, week by week, we go through all the games and we try to get those right. I want to ask you a prediction. It's about your Giants. Now, I want you to, I want you to be honest with me. Let's pretend you were on the outside looking in. Where do the Giants finish in the NFC East, and how do you see this team faring overall? Where are they going this season? Well, you know what? We realize that we are the hunters, and sometimes it's good, you know, not to have that target on your back. You know, I'm sure Philly is like, you know what? We got a good good thing going. We have a good team. We got we got good pieces, and, you know, we want to build on what we did last year. Um, but everyone keeps talking about it. Everyone keeps talking about it. And you know what? Dallas is taking note, and so is Washington, and 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 so are we. And and if you, if you you get in a situation where, you know, everyone's gunning for you, you're gonna get their best every week. It makes it it makes it more difficult. So we're right where we need to be to take care of our business. I I, I it would be hard pressed for me to say that I don't think we're gonna win a division, but I I know that we have a shot to win it. And you know what? Now it's about the preparation. It's about the sacrifice. It's about um, the day-to-day grind of just trying to be consistent. And um, if we do that, I think we're going to be good enough to win this division. 
Well, you know, after missing out last year in Carolina, we'd love to uh, see you get that chance to get back to the playoffs. And uh, thank you so much for your time today joining with us. It was a pleasure to talk with you and just uh, good luck getting out of the MetLife traffic there. <laughs> Thanks, man. You guys have a good one. All Thanks, right, you John. Too. All right. Well, Chris, that was enjoyable, wasn't it? Yeah. John Beeson, really nice guy. A very nice fellow. Uh, listen, we're out of time. You got to get you got to get back down to the newsroom and crank out some more high octane posts. I've got to go home. Apologize for that. So everyone's gone. I guess for uh, Mark Sessler here and the mailman and not a shred of another individual, we'll say farewell. Whoa, I'm here. Well, that's right. TD behind H. the glass. I'm only looking in the immediate room. Uh, in the in the room see, next to us, TD. Remind me never to have you host again. You know, this was a smooth exit until you uh, jumped in there. <laughs> Goodbye. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.